0: Hello,
1: Marjorie, Arnie, and Jacob. I want to play a game. You have reviewed many movies in your life, but with the release of Saw six,
0: I have a new test for you. You have to watch and review all of the movies in the Saw series.
2: We need to talk. We need to think.
0: But be warned. These reviews will be filled with spoilers, and the language
1: used will offend some people. But this is your task. We die. Make your choice. And we're here discussing Saw Six, starring Tobin Bell, Costas Mandalore, Shawnee Smith, Betsy Russell, and Mark Rolston, directed by Kevin Brewert. I'm Arnie, host of Now
2: Playing. This is Jacob.
0: And this is Marjorie. Okay, wait, can I be the first one to say it? It jumped the shark.
1: I said that about the last movie.
2: No, but this one really yeah. jumped the shark. Come on. Like, I have in big notes. This is such a giant shark, I cannot jump it. <laughs>
0: They jumped it twice, I think. It's oh, this is like
2: the third shark they've jumped, but this is this is bigger than Jaws. This is like mega shark that you'd see on some bad made-for-TV sci-fi movie.
1: Now, I will admit that during the opening scene, I laughed out loud inappropriately in the theater because the first test we see are two predatory lenders. Way to
0: go to the real America, Saw Six. And they
1: literally are having the
2: screws turned to them. <laughs> yeah, this th- th- this caused a problem for me because again, what year is this taking place in? You know, is it two thousand four, two thousand five, and we're doing you know truly jigsaw foresaw the signs of what was to come if he's already torturing mortgage lenders.
1: Well, I have to say, these films have kind of a timeless quality to them because if you notice, none of the cars are very modern. All of the monitors are still CRT monitors on the computers for the most part.
0: Well, did you notice the one time they showed Mrs. Jigsaw driving away? Her plate was just solid white with no town or city or anything. Mm -hmm,
1: I noticed that. Yeah. Nobody's using iPhones, Mm -mm. all of their cell phones could be any time from the past 10 years so when this is yeah but I almost thought even though I was laughing that now we're seeing predatory lenders get theirs and I kind of had some sympathy for the predatory lenders as a former Wells Fargo employee (laughs) (laughs) but I thought that they were really getting literary because they had to give a pound of flesh it's Shakespeare he's calling the predatory lenders Shylocks
2: yeah, because the, the the crowd that's watching the Saw franchise is sure to get Shakespeare references.
1: All I could think of is when Jigsaw said, cut your flesh, all I could think of is not a drop of blood, not a drop of bone.
0: <laughs> so do you think that the guy that was sitting in front of us at the theater whose pants were hanging down so low you could see the full ass of his boxers got the Shakespeare reference?
2: No, he was probably just fantasizing that that was his landlord. Yeah. Now do, do do you know the story behind uh the African American female that was one of the mortgage lenders? No. She actually won a reality show. I believe it's called Scream Queens.
1: I remember reading about that, where somebody was going to get a role in a Saw movie, but I figured it would just be a bit part. That was her?
2: Yeah, that was her. And she actually, everyone was surprised that she won uh, because she had no acting career. That that was her first time ever trying to do any kind of acting. And, you know, yeah, it's a horror movie where you're chopping your arm off and screaming, but... Uh, She didn't do a bad job, I thought.
1: Well, she was also in that awful Prom Night remake, so I guess it's turned into something for her. But yeah, she chops off her arm. Now, Jacob, in the last movie, you were wondering how everybody knows to do what the Jigsaw Puppet is telling them to do. This was the first time I'd thought it, and I actually saw this before we recorded Saw 5, but this is when I thought it because they are only given 60 seconds to live, and they don't just have to stick their hand in a trap or something. I mean, if you remember the first movie, Carrie Elwes was given like a day to cut off his foot or kill Adam. <laughs> Here, they have 60 seconds to begin self-mutilation, and the fatter mortgage broker starts cutting into his stomach, because he had all the flesh to spare, I was thinking, and the Simone character, the contest winner, doesn't have it, so she cuts off her arm and starts hacking into it with a blade i'm thinking in 60 seconds even if the screws are turning a little bit tight i need a little bit more proof that something bad's gonna happen to me before i start hacking off my arm
2: well here's the thing with simone she at first she's just like cutting through her arm it's not till you get down to like the final 10 seconds that she grabs a cleaver and starts like chopping hardcore and me if i got a band-aid i'm the kind of person that just rips it off You know, I got to cut my arm off to stay alive. I'm not going to daintily cut through it with a knife. I'm grabbing that cleaver right off the bat and start just hacking away. I got to figure that's less painful.
1: I was thinking it was some kind of Ginsu because it was going to cut through bone.
0: (laughs) See, I was wondering what she's going to do when she starts cutting it off, puts it in the little scale, and it's not enough. Is she going (laughs) to take off another hunk of her arm? Because she can't take off the other arm because, well, she's one-handed at this point. You could take a foot, I guess. She was smart enough
1: to take the left arm, assuming she's
0: right-handed. I guess, yeah. I mean, was that
1: logic? I mean, if I'm going to cut off an arm, I'd cut off my left. Or is it just the simple fact that my right arm would be the one that needs to do the cutting?
2: Yeah, I think it's just the fact that you're right. You know, I'm left-handed and I cut with my left hand. So I would just naturally cut off my right hand.
1: And I realized that all of these Saw movies have pretty much started since the, f- the first one didn't. But all the rest have started with this kind of a test. We had the lawyer in that mausoleum in part four and then in part five. We had the pendulum trap. But again, in part four and five, that tied into the main plot. These predatory lenders are never mentioned again, other than Agent Hoffman, still investigating Jigsaw, goes and visits Simone in the hospital. But that is the only connection this ever has to anything. So then we pick up pretty much right where five left off. Hoffman lives. We get to see the remains of Strom after the walls. And closed. you know what
0: was there? Intestines. <laughs>
1: I was, I was gratified because I felt gypped at the end of five. We didn't get to see the flattened pancake corpse. And I was really wondering what would be left of a human body. And I wondered how much, you know, pressure is coming from the walls. How strong are the engines? And what makes would be your left. intestines
0: pop out? <laughs> Always, it's probably the same intestines over and over. And then we find the first
1: twist of this movie, Agent Perez, who we thought died back in four and was told for a fact she died in five, fooled you, she lived.
2: Yeah, and she didn't look too scarred up to me for having jagged Billy Puppet in your face.
0: No, but it made her acting worse, the injuries. (laughs)
2: It hit that acting part of the brain. It did, it. yeah.
0: It's exactly what happened because her performance was very flat. It's flat as strom, if you will.
2: Well yeah, and that and that's just the beginning of a lot of uh convenient things we haven't been told, I thought, that the FBI starts revealing. Such as what? They get into the forensic of the the knife that has cut the jigsaw pieces. And the ones that cut up Seth at the beginning of five had a serrated edge, whereas the ones uh, that were associated with Tobin Bell jigsaw were a flat, uh, straight edge. It wasn't serrated.
1: I was surprised that the FBI didn't say they were tempered steel.
0: Okay, now come on, guys. Now let's think about it. They probably just found out. You know they're not high quality. Why aren't they still going back
1: and doing these kind of forensic tests on Seth from who occurred, you know, before Saw 1 ever happened in the timeline?
2: Yeah, I mean, we've obviously seen these cops, these FBI agents. They're not the brightest. But they knew to check for that serrated edge. It's the
1: pathologist. He's the world's best pathologist who must have slept with, like, the boss's daughter or something. So he got stuck in this shithole town with the most inept cops ever.
2: <laughs> yeah, we start, and we get other clues. There, There's ones, uh, you know, with the oils that come off the fingertips. And you could tell from the oils on there that they were left from a dead person because they, I don't know, were missing something or a different temperature.
1: Yes, because Hoffman was lucky enough to get one of Strom's hands. It was the only thing not crushed. <laughs> oh, how lucky, I have a hand now. And he takes it with him everywhere and
0: stamps it around on things. Oh my god, I laughed in the theater when he opened up his trunk and opened up the cooler and there, oh, there's the hand.
2: Uh, like, like I said, the sharks just gets bigger and bigger as this film goes on.
0: But I think the biggest one, which I don't know if these guys that made this episode of the series were fortune tellers or they just wrote it super quick like four months ago, but... The main character that's being put through the test. What's he do, guys? He's an insurance adjuster for a
1: health insurance company. So now we and the whole twist is this is the guy who turned down Jigsaw's experimental cancer treatment that could have saved Jigsaw's life.
2: Not only that, Arnie, this is the guy that invented the formula that all insurance companies use to decide if they're going to insure someone or not. There's the whole flashback where I got this formula, and if X is greater than Y, really? This is the guy that invented modern insurance games? I mean, come on.
1: And what's great is there are two flashbacks. You get to see him turning down Jigsaw's health insurance, and you get to see him turning down somebody else's health insurance because he has a heart problem. But oops, you didn't disclose you had some oral surgery, and it could have caused your heart problem. And so just... hurting down them but marjorie said in the theater i think this is why you can't actually go in this day and age and visit an insurance adjuster
0: yeah because if you could go and talk <laughs> in person to your insurance company can you imagine the workplace violence just i mean it would be brutal and i used to work for a cell phone company and even though we were under secure access we'd get crazy ass customers in there that'd be ready to kick people's butts
2: and it's not just like they're talking to an insurance adjuster. They're talking to the CEO of the company. Yeah.
0: Well, that happens all the time. Really? I mean, come on. When I go to yeah. Best Buy, that's who I talk to. Yeah.
1: And so it's this executive who gets put through the test. And I got to say this kind of cheapened things a little bit for me because now we find out Jigsaw here is actually kind of taking revenge because this is the person who basically sentenced him to death. Because despite having all the money for all this real estate developments and Gideon meatpacking and all that.
0: <laughs> and all the tempered steel <laughs> a man could buy.
2: He couldn't afford his own medicine. He couldn't afford a plane ticket to Norway to, to get his experimental treatment. And so this
1: is actually Jigsaw's vengeance. And I can't remember from the others, but is this the first time we've really been rooting for the person to be tortured?
0: Yes, that's what made them jump the shark.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think back. I don't, you know, number five had some drug dealer that burned down a building that people were living in. But he was remorseful about it. This this guy's like, it's the formula. Yeah, except... I don't know. I don't know. He, he, yeah, he's a bad guy, you know. The whole insurance thing, popular thing to to demonize these days. I don't know, though. It's, it's still not evil enough for me to, like, want to see the guy die.
1: See, I just think that in the previous ones, it always seemed like these Saw movies were walking a razor's edge, trying to make the audience intentionally uncomfortable because you don't really like these people, but yet you don't like what's happening to them either, so you don't know which way to go. But here...
2: I really felt the movie was saying, hate this man, hate this
0: man. I I think it was saying that.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's obvious that they're trying to cash in with with current politics going on right now. I mean, it's an easy villain, the mortgage companies and the insurance agencies.
1: What's really amusing is I put in my notes, had there been a public option,
2: none of this would have happened. Yeah, man. What if that would have got what if if that would have passed? And everyone's like, man, this movie's outdated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, my question was, are Canadians going to get it?
2: or the UK or the majority of the western world.
0: Yeah, it was I mean, filmed
2: in Toronto. Or
0: they're going to be like, I just don't get this. I don't I don't understand this movie. Those
1: crazy Americans. And he goes through all these tests and this I also found amusing. He must torture himself to save his office workers. Now, I don't know how many of our listeners work in an office, <laughs> but I don't think I'd clip my fingernail for some of the people <laughs> I've worked with.
0: Only if you're putting that fingernail debris into their drink or something.
2: Well, yeah. Like the first person that he has to choose that they live or die is the janitor and like i totally thought the janitor was like one of jigsaw's followers because there's that scene where this this insurance guy he like kind of bumps into him looks at him and the insurance the janitor kind of gives him that like evil eye so i'm like oh this is gonna be the guy that like drugs him it's it's you know gonna be like the uh, orderly from the first film but no he he's gotta you know kill the janitor i feel bad for the janitor he's probably an illegal immigrant uh, working okay, hard really? to feed his family, and now he's going to die because he, he works for this evil dude? All I could think of was that Agent Hoffman, when he's setting up these traps,
1: has been watching way too many Japanese game shows. Because <laughs> it was a contest of who could hold their breath the longest. And the insurance guy, whose name was William Easton, was fairly healthy, and the janitor was a smoker. <gasps>
0: Oh, oh no. so he
2: deserved to die then.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, I
2: I could sleep at night now. I feel better about that.
1: And so it was like, who can hold their breath the longest? And it just reminded me of, like, what was that Japanese game show where people got hit in the face repeatedly and would fall in
2: water?
0: Oh, the super extreme.
1: Elimination Challenge. Yeah,
0: yeah
2: most extreme elimination challenge.
1: Well, yeah. now this is the most extreme. It's even more extreme because it crushes your ribs.
2: <laughs> Maybe, you know. I think the Japanese could go somewhere with this. They're, they're usually ahead of the, you know, the, the curve. I wouldn't be surprised.
0: I did see a Mexican game show once where your punishment for getting the wrong answer was they made you eat part of a habanero. Well, the, the
2: Hispanic TV is very different than ours. I mean, on their on their kids shows, they have strippers. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> very different culture.
1: And then his second test, because, you know, he's the one who has to choose if people live or die, gets to choose between two of his employees, either an old woman who has a family that loves her or a young, healthy man who doesn't have a family. And I want to ask you guys,
2: who would you have chosen? Hmm. I'd probably go with the loner because I, I could identify with that. I mean, the, you know, those secretaries, again, if you worked in an office place, you know how those secretaries are. They're gossips. They're no good. Lazy.
1: They yeah. take long breaks. And they're easily replaceable from the temp pool
0: yes and she was old i mean come on let's face it
1: here was my thinking is she was obviously past childbearing age so from a strictly (laughs) darwinian point of view the young virile man he could have gone on to eventually have a family we don't know that if when she was his age she wasn't an old maid or whatever
0: here's my thing now I have maybe perhaps an irrational mind or unreasonable mind, if you will, sometimes. Yes, in the last
1: podcast, you were going to cooperate with people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. What was I thinking? Who was taking the pictures of the loner file clerk? He had, some, like, really nice, like, post shots, like, where he, they look like they're supposed to be surveillance, but they really weren't, because he was, like, all dressed nice and on a park bench or whatever. Who was taking those? How did Jigsaw get them? Uh, maybe
2: he, he hired Adam from, like, yeah, six he movies moved lights ago. and that's what
0: Adam was doing, is he hired Adam to take all these photos of I I, nothing is still more ridiculous
1: than in part three, where the unknown witness to the car accident was there. Yeah, once that happened, you don't get more ridiculous.
2: But here's the problem with these victims is, okay, we're supposed to hate Easton because he's evil insurance guy. Yet, who's, who's giving him these choices? It's Jigsaw. So he, you know, the, the old lady with a, a husband and kids versus the young guy, you know, none of, neither one of these two did anything wrong. The janitor didn't do anything wrong. And so it, it hurts Jigsaw's case. It, maybe that's why I had some sympathy towards Easton because it's not him that has to choose life and death between these people. It's, it's Jigsaw who created the situation
1: true and wouldn't it be you know the ultimate thing would be well i guess he could have with the cleaning guy is he could have killed himself to save the cleaning guy and what if he had died and the cleaning guy had lived what would have happened to everybody else
2: Ooh, wow <laughs> arnie you forget jigsaw perfectly oh. understands human nature so that wasn't even a possibility
0: <laughs> wow hmm, that just blew my mind <laughs> Wow,
2: But yeah, there should have, I guess, been the option
1: where Easton could sacrifice himself to save others. That would have been the ultimate sacrifice there. But on the other hand, it's a test. It's driving home, you know, when he turned down John's insurance and theoretically killing him. Although, didn't that experimental treatment only have like a 40% chance of working? Yeah, it (laughs) was
2: was like a 36% chance of actually working.
1: So there's only a 36% chance that Easton killed Jigsaw. (laughs) You know, the next maybe part seven, he's gonna go and find everybody who smoked around him and possibly <laughs> gave him secondhand smoke. Maybe the janitor was one of them.
2: Well, here, here's the thing: is there? It makes this mention of how Jigsaw's work is almost done. So, what the hell is his work? What is he trying to accomplish? This, this. Plants in your mind that there is some endpoint to all this torturing, unless you figure, you know, he's going to rehabilitate all six billion people on earth, and here's the last 10, 10 out of those six billion. Well, so, is there some master plan going on where? This is all going to turn into some nice full circle. Everyone that either harmed him or his wife or Gideon, his unborn child, and denied him coverage and was a mean doctor to him. What is his work that he's trying to accomplish here?
1: Well, you see, that ties into the A-plot, is that this whole thing, the twist at the end, is this has all been a test for Hoffman. And it's been enacted by Jigsaw's wife, Jill, and it's a test for Hoffman, although I don't know what exactly Hoffman was being tested on.
0: I don't think he was being tested.
2: I think he was being blackmailed into the whole thing. I don't think it was a test for him. I just think it was a way to make sure he finishes whatever this work is for Jigsaw.
0: And I think he was supposed to die at the end.
1: Maybe. I mean that was definitely a test was getting out of that.
0: Okay, but he didn't have a challenge or anything. I don't think it was a test. I think she was killing him.
1: Okay, I agree with you, but that's failed writing. Because if you remember from part at the very beginning, Hoffman is playing that tape. You think you're out, but your test is still to come. So, obviously, parts four, five, and six have all been his test. And there's the scene with him and Jill, and these are the last ones. These are the last tasks jigsaw set for them and there were the five envelopes that Hoffman had to deal with which were all the various tests for the insurance agent and then the sixth envelope was Hoffman himself so I mean the the whole thing comes down to there's a flashback scene where Hoffman is dealing with the drunk driver from part three and knocks him out of a wheelbarrow and jigsaw with his keen understanding of human nature goes do you enjoy the brutality and so the, I guess the test for Hoffman was, because... How brutal could he be to the other five envelopes? Uh, And how brutal would he be to himself Okay, but
0: what I'm saying is I think she was killing him because Jigsaw was saying that he was always going to give Jill a way out. Because the movie is now leading us to believe that she's involved. And she knew about it. She was there when the doctor was killed with the shotgun rounds to her head with the collar. So he was giving Jill a way out so she could walk away from this clean and never ever be implicated.
2: But did Hoffman know Jill was involved?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: I don't think he did. I think that he knew she was delivering the envelopes, but I think that was the limit of Hoffman's knowledge of her involvement. And, you know, when you say Jigsaw's work is almost done, I think this is the last of what Jigsaw set up. But you're right. I guess this now means Jill is yet another accomplice. And what this whole movie does is it sets up Hoffman to then take the fall after Strom had already taken the fall of being jigsaw's other accomplice
2: it doesn't make sense is what it comes to it i guess we'll have we'll have to watch seven but i
0: think this is where their continuity is starting to get really weak and stretching because it's not a clean wrap-up at all
1: well it, let's talk about the hoffman plot line because we see hoffman getting strom's hand and that fbi agent erickson believes St- strom was the jigsaw killer but then we find out perez is still alive But they're worried because of the blades. And so somehow they know, but I'm never sure how much they know that it wasn't really Strom and it's Hoffman. And Perez is kind of the key to all that somehow.
2: Yeah, I didn't get because there's the mention that she said Hoffman's name or something. But what clues does she have that it's Hoffman? I mean, has anything been shown to us that she would think that not in four? No, four, five or six, maybe in nine or ten. It's yeah, I I like a movie that respects the uh, intelligence of the viewer where they will leave hints. And if you're smart, you can pick up on those hints. And here they're hiding them on purpose. So you don't know what's going on. And it, it bugs the hell out of me. And the best part of
1: it was that they start unscrambling Jigsaw's tape from Seth's murder.
0: I got a lot of problems with this, what you're going into.
2: Oh.
1: And as we (laughs) said in the podcast from Five, where we see Seth's murder, it was quite obviously Jigsaw's voice. It was not Hoffman's voice there. It didn't have the accent. And yet here, they're playing the Jigsaw voice, and it's Hoffman's voice, and they're decoding it so they can find the real voice. And they take Hoffman there so that he can be present at the decoding.
2: And again, this tape is like, I don't know, a a few years old at least going if we have any kind of continuity in these films and it's analog analog degrades over time there's no way you could I don't know it's just I've worked in recording studios and that and it no you can't do that
1: maybe they digitized it as part of evidence
2: right when they got it (laughs) they don't use digital anything in this movie no
0: they don't Don't tell the- me that they have like a top tech team when they can't even. Get- yeah, the
1: top tech team traced the video feed in yeah. part two. It
0: took them like eighty it took hours. Took them two to get hours, there. hours to get there. Well, they were eating lunch.
1: They don't have GPS. What I found funny in this one was. The lady who's decoding this tape has that keyboard there. And it reminded me of Ferris Bueller's Day Off (laughs) when he's, like, playing with the coughs.
0: But here's my question. So they're, like, leading him into this. And the whole while, like, you can see them, the suspicion in their tone of voice and everything. And he's very cautious going into it.
1: Because they know that the oils from Strom's hand were from his dead hand.
0: Yeah. So I, I guess the question is, why did they not have, like... Like a SWAT team ready to go for when they sprung it on him. He didn't do what he did.
2: Okay. This is the hugest freaking shark in the world. This is, they suspect (laughs) that this guy's the jigsaw freaking killer. And yet it's not that they don't even have a SWAT team like hiding out. They don't even have their guns ready to go. And I I figure, okay, they don't have their guns. Hoffman ends up killing them. Uh, Perez and, uh, Erickson and, and no name digital anal, voice analyzer kills them. I figure the SWAT team's gonna rush in or something. How stupid is this FBI? I can understand how 9-11 happened if this is how the FBI is. <laughs> And here's what
1: I thought was really stupid. Hoffman has been caught. They tell him how they caught him. Yeah. uh, Because of the oils in the fingers. He decides to burn the evidence because, of course, nobody has a backup in this nameless city's police department. But he then takes Straub's hand and starts patting it all over again. They already know the oils are from a dead hand. It's not like there's new oils.
0: But they didn't tell anyone. Perez and Erickson didn't tell anyone that they suspected Hoffman.
1: Neither Perez, Erickson, nor digital voice and analyzer lady was analyzing the oils on the fingers there was a lab tech somewhere who said this is a dead fingerprint
2: yeah because erickson even says that they weren't smart enough to figure that out that it was some tech that figured it out i tell you as the pathologist but maybe the fire will warm up the oils so it'll look like he was alive (laughs) Oh
0: god i lost it when he held out that dead hand that was the funniest thing ever
2: it it doesn't make any sense
0: no, it doesn't. It's just. Right. So then the insurance agent goes into his
1: third test in a boiler room. And I'm wondering where the hell he is. And I had to look it up. He's in an abandoned zoo. So yeah. this, this city not only has abandoned <laughs> warehouses, but entire zoos.
0: Didn't you see when he had the old lady secretary and the young guy that there was a sign about the animals? Yeah. I... And
1: I just thought it was talking about the audience. (laughs) Now, the fourth test was perhaps my favorite is because this guy has the room of six people that he loves because they do all his declining for him. And you see these six people tied to a wheel and it's like a roulette game. And when it stops, the trigger is going to blow their heads off. And that was just so much fun. I loved this test. I was so into it because everybody was getting catty. The woman was screaming, I'm pregnant. And somebody else was screaming, she's lying. She's not pregnant.
0: Oh, yeah, the. Guy, the little piddly ass guy. I don't remember. They didn't have names and they didn't matter.
1: But here's my problem with this test, to go back to Jacob's point. The tape says you can only save two of them by putting your hand in this thing, and it's going to really mess up your hand. But then the gun won't go off. It'll shoot somebody else. He lets the first person die. I would, I have to say, now, Jacob, in a previous podcast, you said I'm not very altruistic. I would put my hand in immediately for that first person. And then I would put it in immediately for the second person, not caring who they are. And then I'd put it in again for the third person, just in case the tape was lying. You
0: see, that's what I thought. (laughs) too is wouldn't you just try and all of them just in case yeah
1: well i wouldn't be sitting there making the moral judgments because truthfully he seemed to think of them all as one cohesive body of six anyway i think they're all interchangeable to him although he let two women live which made me wonder if he wanted to sleep with them (laughs) but (laughs) But yeah, I'd just be trying to save everybody in this case. Admittedly, yeah, I-, I didn't have to face a nail bomb, I'd just have to puncture my hand. But I would try to <laughs> save them all, and the first two would be the live would live just by the virtue of being the first two. And that would also stop a lot of screaming at me, because what else could I do for those last four?
2: You're right. <laughs> Well, it, and here I like this scene, and this is the reason why. I mean, Arnie, you've done your Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth. You've talked a lot about horror, and I, I get that there's different kinds of horror subgenres. And for me, it's always about what's in the viewer's mind recreate the, the the largest, the the most fearful type of horror. And I'm not much of a you know the saw movies are much more of a gore type of horror. Not really my thing. But I like this scene because a lot of it's just people screaming, spitting around and screaming. And that really fucks with your head. Like more than this gun lowering down and shooting them. It's just the situation they're in. So from a horror aspect, I really like this scene.
0: No, I think it was well done, and I think that they did, got some good emotions going there, and you could really kind of feel for some of the people, but it was, I thought it was a pretty good scene, but it was still amusing.
1: It was my favorite trap from the past few movies, I gotta say. It it didn't get the ick out of me that, like, the pendulum and the buzzsaw <laughs> and the forearm did, but I had a lot of fun with this scene.
0: Although, I really think it's not fair for them to have killed so many people just to prove, the insurance guy, prove a test to him, because... I mean, I mean, this is just getting ridiculous with the amount of people who have died. Yeah, it takes
1: away what the first movie said, that Jigsaw is not a killer because he lets people save themselves. When it's one or the other, no matter how you slice it, no pun intended, Jigsaw (laughs) is a killer.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: And the whole reason that... Easton is going through this is because he wants to see his family. They keep talking about his family. And this is another twist at the end and it's a very similar twist to what they pulled with Jeff in part 3 where they say your child, your child and you think it's going to be the boy but it's the girl. Here it's uh they say the family, the family and you see this m- mother and son trapped in a room but it turns out they aren't his family. A tabloid journalist is his sister who is also a captive. These two are the wife and son of the man who had the heart problem and the oral surgery who Easton turned down coverage for. And I gotta say, the whole oral surgery turning down coverage, that is pretty shitty. (laughs) That was a stretch. How could you possibly deny that?
0: But it's still a lame twist at the end.
1: I thought it was a pretty good twist. Uh, Yeah, I kind of liked it. It got me. I should have caught it, but it got me. Yeah, I mean, didn't you think that they were his wife and son?
0: I did, and I didn't see that the other girl was a sister. I'm not saying it didn't get me. I just thought it was kind of eh. Cause you're led up to believe this guy's an absolute slime from the insurance company because he's talking about how he can't go out and missing the girl's birthday, and we found out it's the tabloid journalist who's a sister. So he's going out as a sister for her birthday, and you're led up to believe he's cheating on his wife with the lawyer and everything. I just there've been much better twists, I think.
1: What I liked about this, though, is the final test was the test of the wife and son. Will they forgive Easton for turning down the coverage? And the wife can't be a killer. But the son just, again, what I would do, grabs that joystick and pushes it to kill. And then here we get perhaps the single gorious death in six Saw movies. Although it's
0: very unrealistic.
2: Oh, it was awesome, though. (laughs) It it was awesome.
1: Needles come down, hypodermic needles, stab him in the back. And as if that's not enough, they then inject him full of hydrochloric acid, melting him in half so the lower half of his body falls away. This was so gruesome in theaters. I can't wait to see what it looks like on the unrated DVD. It's probably going to show the skin boil.
2: Yeah, th- this this beat out having a new kid on the block having his head smashed by ice blocks. <laughs> I mean, I I really liked this death. I mean, I, I thought that, that was the one... Just moment of joy in this movie was they actually got a really cool death scene with and Marjorie plenty of intestines in this scene
0: there were i'm telling you they got a cut rate on all these fake intestines
1: i gotta say though it's overkill literal overkill
0: he had a lot of them
1: <laughs> i mean the guy was going to die you didn't have to inject him with acid so his body fell in half i mean again this is why i say the movie makers want us to root for his death because to give him such a gruesome death i i think we were supposed to revel in it
2: Yeah, well, one of the things I was reading, and this is on the internet, so I don't know how true it is, but this actually, this movie, Saw 6, is the first movie in Spain to get an X rating for violence or gore. And did did you think this movie was had more gore than the other five saw movies
1: it's hard for me to say because i saw the unrated version of all the other five so i i can't really say for
2: certain
0: so wait the europeans are calling us prudes or they're calling us no no
2: we're calling the europeans prudes because the the spaniards gave this an x rating
0: but this is violence
1: americans are prudish about sex
0: oh that's right yeah yeah if it had more boobs it'd be okay
1: Over there, it would be okay. Yes. Here, we'd give it Oh MC my god, 17. we don't want to
0: see Booth, but his guts can fly out.
1: Intestines good, nipples bad. That's got the American it. way.
2: What if you have intestines coming out of the nipples? Wow, there's... that'd
1: be a hell of a trap.
2: Yeah, that, there's a quandary for you.
1: <laughs> Who knows, that may have happened to Strom as the walls got closer. <laughs> And so the final scene, we see Jill put the reverse bear claw on Hoffman.
2: Here's the thing. We're going to just redo a bunch of the movies. We're going to, you know, going back to the, the boiler room scene, we had the whole key and the lawyer would have to cut out of Easton to get free. We saw that in the, in the first one with Amanda. We have the reverse bear trap and we have the electric shocker again. A lot of callbacks to the first one.
1: Who got electric shocked? I can't remember.
2: Yeah, when when Jill walks in behind Hoffman she shocks him and that's how she kind of paralyzes him so she could put the bear trap on that's him. right.
0: oh yeah she like tasered him kind of thing
2: yeah so a lot of a lot of callbacks to the first film for some reason
0: so
1: like Marjorie said do you, Jacob do you think that was just intended to murder Hoffman or was it a test
2: <sighs> you know Jigsaw in his legacy whoever's the current Jigsaw is so set on doing these traps you know believing they'll lead to murder I, I think it was supposed to kill him. But but that's that's the way they do it. They they have to do it with some weird trap. That's how they have to kill someone.
1: Yeah, I mean she says game over, which is what they always say. So I think it yeah, has to be that he was gonna be killed.
0: So you agree with me now.
1: Yeah, I don't know this movie's fucking with my head.
2: Again, there's there's no test for him. there's no tape played, it's just game over. And you know, he finds a way out. He he smashes his hands, his hands were tied down, smashes his hands so he can break free. And from what I could tell, he like sticks the trap like in a, a, a barred window or something. So when it opens, it doesn't open all the way and it doesn't kill him.
1: Mm-hmm. It just tears half his face apart.
2: <laughs> yeah, but he gets out of it. So I guess he'll be returning in the next one.
1: I think that's a safe assumption. I mean, I don't think that other work engagements are going to prevent Costa's <laughs> Mandalore. <laughs>
0: No Picket Fences reunion?
1: If he's not in the next one, he'll be a surprise in
2: eight.
0: Oh, yeah. Th- that's
2: very true. Seven probably if-
0: takes place at the same time as six, and there's another Jigsaw <laughs> killer, and then Costas Mandalore will come out in eight. You're right.
2: Yeah. Seven actually is going to take place during all the movies. We're going to see a time machine <laughs> where it just jumps all over the place and and set up these traps. But, I mean, again, was that, you know, we get the reveal. There's these these five envelopes that Jill gives to Hoffman with these victims for this insurance trap. But there is the sixth envelope that she kept and it had Hoffman's picture in it. And he was that final victim or final I don't know. There, There is no game to be played. It was just game over. So was she just told, okay, now you got to kill him?
1: See, that was what I was asking is, was his game to see how brutal he could be to himself because he enjoyed the brutality of others?
0: Hopefully seven will answer that. Or eight or nine. Let, let's just, I don't, I'm not going to hold my breath for an answer. <laughs>
2: Please do hold your breath. Yeah, I guess it's just one of those things we're going to have to wait I
1: think that if they didn't leave a plot hole, there wouldn't be a sequel. Once all the plot holes have been filled in, the Saw series is over. The first movie had plot holes we could drive a Hummer H1 through. So they had to leave something there.
2: Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, like, like, we, I guess we've all agreed we're just going to have to watch the future films to see what the hell was up with that. Well, we, we got to get to the big, one of the big, big reveals here, and that's the letter he finally found out what Amanda yes. was told in that letter.
0: I thought that- pretty lame when it came out because that was the big buildup. If you go to any of the Saw fan sites, like, oh my God, we're going to see the letter. We're going to see the letter that Amanda read. Yeah, that
1: had bothered me that it was one of the other
0: dangling plot
1: f- threads from 3 is what was that letter? And it was called back to again in 4. They weren't letting us forget the letter. And the letter says Amanda has to kill Lynn, who was the doctor helping Jigsaw. So now it wasn't Amanda's vengeance in 3. You have to go back and watch it again because <laughs> now Amanda's being blessed blackmailed into doing what she does or else Hoffman's going to tell Jigsaw who's lying on a table with his brain exposed that she's cutting herself and Jigsaw with his brain exposed will give a shit
2: well it's more than that Amanda is the one who caused the death of unborn Gideon because she's Mm -hmm. the one Yeah, it's hard to remember all this stuff. (laughs) She's the one that told the, you know, I can't remember which one, three or four. Jill and John Jigsaw's baby is killed when it's smashed. Jill is smashed with the door handle from that junkie that was trying to break into the methadone clinic or whatever she's running. And you find out Amanda was the one that told the junkie to go do that. And she was there the whole time watching in the shadows. What would you think of that?
0: I thought it was kind of lame and... I don't know. I don't like when they add footage to things you've already seen, you know?
2: I I rolled my eyes. I'm like, okay, whatever.
0: This again
1: goes back to my problem. It's making every single test personal for Jigsaw. Everybody he has attacked, including Amanda what has in some way wronged him god forbid the clerk at burger king who didn't give him the right change
0: hmm, you say everybody wronged him
1: not every single person okay. has i think it's going to keep coming out but amanda has wronged him by being part what about of the, that
0: the guy in the barbed
1: wire
2: that, that's that's for part seven we'll find out
1: didn't we find out something else about the guy in the barbed wire this time though
2: no, they, that, that was in five. They called back to him, and I don't even remember what happened.
0: Because Strom kept visiting all the spots. Remember? Yeah. He went on the Jigsaw tour.
1: Yeah, but here we saw them making the razor wire, and we saw that Jigsaw knew this guy who uh, they put in the razor wire.
0: Jigsaw gets around.
2: Did he use tempered steel for the for
0: the one? wire? <laughs> That's
2: my question.
1: I didn't like that necessarily that Amanda was involved in the death of the baby, but I did like this is how Jigsaw found Amanda was through the clinic. It tied that up instead of Amanda again just being random. So
0: hold up then. Do you think that somewhere along the line a good police force would put that together? Everyone who was attacked went to this clinic. Mm-hmm.
2: The, but again, a good police force. We don't have that here because no. Hoffman, Hoffman's covering everything up for him.
1: I did really like the scene though where you see Hoffman putting together the evil twisty crucifix from part 3 and Amanda's telling him he's doing it wrong and they're they're arguing like brother and sister. I thought that was a good dynamic there. I wish we could have
2: seen more of that in the previous ones. Jigsaw family. <laughs> Sitting around the Christmas tree, (laughs) making torture devices, arguing how how much PSI needs to be pumped into a certain torture device. I don't know. With the whole Amanda reveal, like I said, I rolled my eyes. It's just... I don't like movies where every single little thing is connected. It's like Crash with Sandra Bullock. Everything's connected and ties together. Same with Magnolia. I think Magnolia is kind of the film that kicked it off. It's not real life. It really makes it hard for me to buy into it. Yeah, but you had to like Jigsaw scolding him for using the wrong grease. (laughs) Well, that, that's the problem. Jigsaw, he's the engineer. And, like, did he leave some in-depth manual? Because we both see Amanda and Hoffman screw things up. <laughs> and you got to wonder if he's trying to, you know, leave a legacy, leave, you know, someone behind to take his place. He's got to have, I don't know, some kind of manual so you know how to run all this stuff.
0: He probably made a website. <laughs> His last dying thing was typing out the manuals for all his little traps for everyone.
1: Yeah, well, you got to think if you're in the serial killer business and you're not paying, the applicants for employment have to be pretty slim pickings.
2: Yeah, Crooked cops and junkies.
1: (laughs) The one thing, though, that bothered me about this movie is we didn't see much Jigsaw. I mean, even though Tobin Bell is getting top billing he basically had a cameo in this movie even less of a role in this one than the last one and i while i'm while this movie i did come around to hoffman as the killer it took three movies for that to happen without tobin bell this series seems to have lost a little something
0: well one thing that i didn't like was that i kind of figured his wife was taking a big part in this as she was second billed above anyone else so it was tobin bell and then whatever her name is, Betsy something, and then Costas Mandalore. So it really clued me in that the wife was going to be a huge part, and I thought maybe we'd find out more, but it was still kind of sketchy.
2: Yeah, I actually kind of like Tobin Bell's Jigsaw character, uh, especially in the earlier ones where you got to see him more, and uh, I think it was a bad move to kill him off, because flashbacks just aren't that fun to watch, and that's all we're seeing him in now. You know, not that I want the the writers to somehow resurrect him.
1: A la staples in the neck. <laughs>
2: yeah, that was uh, that was his twin brother, but probably not the best plan. You know, he if you, when you have these serial killer type movies, you got to have some kind of personality to them, and and I don't know Hoffman and Jill and Amanda. They just they didn't have that same aura about him that Tobin Bell does.
0: Costas Mandalore has absolutely no personality. He is so flat.
2: No, he's got a creepy name and that's it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's just really he sits there and just like kind of purses his lips and stares. And he can't act.
1: But this is a different type of horror series. I mean, in the previous retrospectives, when they talk about removing Michael from the killing or they remove Jason as the villain, those movies didn't work. Here, these movies again, it's far more like a series and jigsaw put the machine in motion it just keeps going but without tobin bell the actor and the gravitas he brings to the situations it just wasn't there and it really felt in this one like he was phoning it in i didn't really feel much from him during the flashback scenes that he was in
2: yeah and at least with the first few films where he was alive you still have that warped purpose that he was doing this he's doing this to make people realize how precious life was and now with these last three films it's okay we got to cover our footsteps we got to cover our tracks so none of this could get pinned on anyone and it's just not as fun as watching someone uh, with a twisted sense of morality torture people.
1: You guys did catch that this movie filled in some plot holes from previous ones. And I, I really think every sequel in the Saw movie exists only to fill plot holes <laughs> all the way back to the first one. We complained in part five that the B plot had no relation to the A plot here. They're like, those five people were a case that Strom was investigating.
0: Very loose.
2: That's right.
0: Yeah. Um, Come on. I totally
2: forgot about that till now. It obviously didn't make an impression on me.
1: And the other thing, which I would completely forgotten about myself, was they explained why Dr. Gordon's pen light was found with the razor wire That's scene. <laughs> (laughs) But I hadn't sat around wondering how the pen light got there. That was something, you know, there were so many plot holes in the first one. That was one I let go. And here they're like, we have to explain why Dr. Gordon got the pen light.
2: You know you're in trouble when part of your plot revolves around a pen light.
1: And the whole thing was Hoffman was trying to steer Danny Glover to Dr. Gordon. It was all Jigsaw's elaborate
2: plan. Yeah, and then again, going back, this is my work. Ah, and I really don't know what his work is. Is he trying to really get to every single person in the world? Because he's trying to, he's somehow got this magic, I don't know, where he could connect everything and lead everyone to the next person and they all fall in traps. It's just uh, it gives me a headache.
1: So with the reveal at the end that Jill sets up Hoffman, is Jill our next Jigsaw? Because we have that scene early on where Jigsaw is kind of mentoring her the way he mentored Hoffman. What you're doing isn't curing people. I cure people. Look at Amanda. She's cured, isn't she?
0: I think she'd have to get some henchmen first because she can't do that all herself. He could do it all by himself.
2: Maybe the whole plot is... To show Jill that life is worth living even though she lost her child. And that's what this big, huge, elaborate plot is. And now she's moved into that role where she's bearing life to others by showing them how they could overcome through torture that there's more to life. And so metaphorically, she's giving birth to new beings. And that's the whole point of this.
0: You're thinking too hard again.
2: I I know I am. You're really thinking too hard. (laughs) I've had to watch six saw films. (laughs) I'm not in a good state of mind.
0: The director could listen and just go, man, that guy had a really good idea. Only we'd gone that way.
2: Yeah. I'm suing if that's what happens in number seven.
0: All right, well, with that,
1: Jacob, Marjorie.
2: Recommend or not recommend, make your choice. Uh, this this is an easy one. Like I said, there's so much wrong with this film. There's so many huge sharks you have to jump. I mean, you got to be Fonzie on steroids to get over the sharks you're jumping in this thing. Uh, I I cannot recommend it. There's a couple good kill scenes, but... No, there's no way I'm going to recommend this movie.
0: I'm on the fence because... I think this movie would appeal to a lot of people in the subject matter and the people that are being tortured, but at the same time, I really wasn't interested for most of it. It was really hard, the plot holes are kind of big, and the police procedure problems are just really driving me nuts. I don't know, I think this series is suffering from a little bit of watering down. It doesn't shock anymore, and I think that the Jigsaw's mission is getting lost in the shuffle and... I think you're right, Jacob. They shouldn't have killed him off so early. I don't think they intended this franchise to be as popular as it is. And now they're having to pay back and backtrack for all that.
1: I know I've nitpicked this movie here, but I'm going to recommend it because I think this is the first one where, yeah, there still were a lot of ties to the previous ones, but it wasn't told so much in flashbacks that I feel anyone who's come before this would be lost. You could sit down and watch Saw Six without seeing any others, and you might not catch every freaking nuance of every tie that we do because we've just watched all six very close together but i think you'd get a lot of enjoyment out of it it has a lot of fun i mean it is a bit of a message movie and we now know that jigsaw voted for obama (laughs) but other than that 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 was a little ridiculous, but this movie was fun, and while it did leave me scratching my head at the end about what was Hoffman's test, was Hoffman having a test, it didn't leave all of those dangling plot threads. It really felt like what I've read in some interviews this is, the conclusion of the second Saw trilogy. Almost every loose end has been tied up, and... It put a nice bow on it, and so, yeah, I recommend Saw 6. It was a fun time, and I think that while in certain ways they made creative choices that were a little silly, the sharks that you guys say were jumped, If you get past it, it's really one of the more enjoyable ones, and despite a little bit of gruesome hydrofluoric acid death, (laughs) it it wasn't torture pornish like some of the others were. It was just, it was more horrific and a a bit more fun. It seemed a bit more lighthearted because you were able to get against the victims a little bit more. So yeah, I recommend Saw 6. And with that, looking back at the Saw series, what are your guys' final
2: reflections? Stop at one <laughs> that, I mean, again, I think one, it's a good example of, of a new horror type of genre. It, it does something different than uh, movies had done before. So I, I think you'd appreciate it on that level. If you're a fan of serial fiction, then, yeah, maybe you want to check these out. I, I found myself, despite my best urges, even like with five. I really got caught up, like I said, in the cat and mouse game. I really got caught up with, you know, does the FBI know Hoffman's involved or not? That side of the story, I kind of find myself interested in just because, you know, it's this story that's gone over so many movies. It's I find something there to keep my interest. So you're saying Saw's the modern day Charles Dickens? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) My problem is, as a horror film, after one and two and three I don't know. It stops really being a horror film. They throw in all the violent stuff because it's Saw and it's supposed to have that. But that being what the, what the movie is about. And so I don't know. It's a weird movie. It goes from horror into, I don't know, detective crime fiction. So, yeah, if that kind of thing appeals to you, wait till all the movies are out on DVD where you can watch them all like in a week or two. Because there's no way you could watch these from year to year to year and remember what's going on.
1: Gotta be like your priest friend and have the parties.
2: Every year, gotta have the party.
1: I like that they're taking horror to a place that I can't think of any previous horror franchise has been with the tight continuity. Despite the fact that, again, there are some eye-rolling coincidences and some people related that are very convenient, I love that continuity because I'm a geek. I like Lost and I like Battlestar Galactica and I like this tightly woven fiction and this continuity you know there are six saw films there are six star wars films there are more continuity holes in star wars than in saw by the power of a thousand
2: you can't hold Star Wars up, though, as the uh, the uh, model of continuity. I mean, that's that's everything you don't want to do with continuity.
1: But when it comes to continuity, Saw is better than Star Wars. So that's what's going to be on the poster for Saw 7. <laughs> Saw is better than Star Wars. Now playing podcast.com.
2: <laughs> uh, you're going to make a lot of people angry with that comment.
1: I like the tightly woven narrative. It has above par acting for even modern day horror movies. Looking at the modern Friday the 13th or the latest Halloween entry, the acting in this is above. Yeah. Costa's Mandalore is not going to be uh, taking home the gold statues anytime soon.
2: <laughs> no. But, but Arnie, if, if you think about it this way, if someone goes and see these in the movie theater, you're paying 60 bucks, you know, or, or around them more if you're out here in LA is it worth that or or is it good on the level of oh it's it's playing on a on a friday night and uh, on tv and i could sit at home and watch these on tv yeah i could totally get into these on tv i don't want to pay the money i'd have to pay to see these in a movie theater though
1: i can't measure by dollars in that way with movies i measure more in time time is more important to me than money because you know i make more money every two weeks but i Every minute of my life I spend is a minute I'll never have again. So, the question for me is never is it worth my money? Because a theater experience is just that an experience and a home theater experience is that. And the question is is it these movies are these movies worth my time and not just watching them but the many many hours we've now spent talking <laughs> about them. And yeah, because if these movies weren't so tightly knit, I wouldn't have had so much fun if they didn't have the Mind fuck continuity. We wouldn't even be doing this series because it was the simple fact that these movies made me think. God damn, there's something else that Saw movies do. They made me think. They made me work my brain and guess. And it wasn't passive enjoyment. It was active enjoyment. And I can't say that about a lot of movies. So many movies are just passive enjoyment. You sit back and you watch. The Saw movies engaged me. So yeah, I think that $60 is worth an engagement. I've spent far more than $60 to see live theater that doesn't engage me so much.
0: I think it's a rite of passage to see this, because I think this is the new genre of horror, and I think that Saw has gone further than any other new horror franchise. And don't bring up, like, Pumpkinhead or Leprechaun, because those just don't count. It's a new breed of horror, I think, for the new millennium, and I think that you should see... I think the series, I don't know where to tell you to stop. I guess you could stop at 3 or you could stop at all 6. People who like these kinds of movies tend to like to do them in big marathons. I know there are a number of cities who were having Saw marathons for the release of Saw 6. I think if you're a big horror fan, you, you kind of got to do it.
1: My only problem is I do feel like there are diminishing returns. By the time we got to six, we all knew what to expect.
0: Isn't that what happens with anything, though? Yeah, but
1: I,
2: I'm saying that's a problem. Is Well, there- that's that's why Jason X was so brilliant. <laughs> Dude, let's throw Jason in space. I want Saw X, where it, it's some crazy space adventure. Give me something new. Hey, we're only four years away
1: from Saw 10. <laughs> But I I do feel there's diminishing returns. I feel the logic is getting more strained. I mean, in Saw 6, there's this huge maze that that woman has to navigate through with the steam pipes. And I could only help when watching that thing. Remember the good old days when there were just two guys in a room with a gun?
0: (laughs) And I I think it just says something about society. And if you look at it, I mean, in the '80s, we were scared horribly by a guy with a machete, and now look what it takes to get people to jump out of their seats. And that's why, although
1: I th- not too far from us, there were mass murders with a tire iron, and that got us pretty scared.
2: Yeah. Cause Cause, and that's real. my problem with these, is that, like I said before, they don't really feel like horror movies to me. Even with the first one, it felt like a stretch to be a horror movie. Yeah, it has the the blood and guts. I could watch Saving Private Ryan, and that, that's got the same amount of gore, if not more. And so for me, again, I, I came into this as not being a big horror buff. And for these, I don't know, they didn't win me over to the horror genre. I, I wouldn't go out and want to see, you know, the Halloween movies or Friday the 13th or explore the horror genre because of these movies, because they stopped. Really, I'd say after three again, it really stopped being a horror movie to me. It's just well, we're going to throw the blood and guts in there because that's what gets the teenage kids to see these films. And, and it's really secondary. You know, we talked with five where that B plot, which was the big gory plot plot, we would forget that was going on during the movie.
1: Yeah, I felt like in 5 they just gave in to the fact that they felt they had to have the gore when, you know, it didn't add to the plot. And the way they tried to tie it in with 6 didn't work for me at all.
0: Do you think that maybe the writers and producers had a little bit of self-importance by including the crime drama into it? That maybe they thought that they were making this very erudite movie by
1: not at all. All of that. Crime drama has been in this since the first one all they've done is analyze the first one and take it down to its basic parts the first one had two things it had a torture room and it had cops trying to get there in time and that's what every single other one has had it started in the very first one had it come in later in the series perhaps but danny glover and the asian guy from lost they were there from the beginning.
0: I'm sure he loves being known as the Asian guy from Lost.
1: He's an actor. He's known. He loves it.
0: <laughs> now, let me ask you guys a- another question just to kind of finish it off. What do you think of the news that saw Seven will be in 3D?
2: Oh, that that could be nothing but good news after seeing, uh, you know, Friday the 13th 3D and Jaws 3D and, and the humongous array of great 3D movies that have come out. You know, it's going to be right up there next to Toy Story 3D. It's. <laughs> I, I don't understand the 3D craze that's been going on over the last couple of years. You know, it's been really big with kids' movies... Um, you know, there's always the rumors that Star Wars is going to come out in 3D and, you know, we had My Bloody Valentine 3D and I don't know. I...
0: There's only so much 3D you can take. Well, That's
2: you a... know, how many times are you going to look at a, an axe being thrown out your head? The other thing is there's just that
1: whole discussion of 3D that we could talk for an hour about, about, you know, the movie studios feel they need to do 3D to get people out of their home theater and into a real theater because
2: home theater can't do digital 3D yet. But versus, 3D it gets
0: very it? tiresome after a while.
2: Arnie, let me ask you this, because Marjorie, you stated that you know you feel that this is the new horror genre, and it's it's the way horror is going to go. Arnie, you you know, you've done all these now playing podcasts of horror movies, and obviously you're a fan. You talked about how you've written college papers on horror. I mean, where do you see this fitting in with the horror lexicon?
1: It's so hard to tell because it's so new. It's still very new. I can tell you this with Saw Five. Saw is. The single most successful horror franchise as far as box office. So against all of them, if you rank them in dollars, Saw is the champion. But in 15 years, are people going to look back at Saw the way I look back at Freddy? I... (sighs) I have to say some of the fun of Michael Myers and Freddie and that is, is some of the humor in it. And Saw is nothing if not lacking in intentional humor. There's plenty of unintentional humor abound, but it's not something that I feel can be watched again and again and again. And. While it did open up new types of horror with the whatever you want to say about the torture porn, and I don't really like that term at all, and I don't think it's applicable because, you know, it goes back to what Jacob said in the very first one about gonzo porn. That would be torture porn. It's like (laughs) the Faces of Death series is torture porn. These movies have characterization and plot. These – there, But it's definitely made a mark in every t- horror movie made, including the reboots of all these other horror franchises. They all have this ultra-realistic... Type of horror for the most part. And you notice in our Halloween series, that turned off Brock, one of our reviewers. He doesn't like this level of gore. He prefers the safer type of horror where there's a little blood, but he doesn't want the intestines, you know, that kind of thing.
2: Brock, don't watch these. There's lots of intestines.
1: So I think that on the one hand, you're evolving horror. But on the other hand, you're turning away audiences who felt more comfortable with the safeness of the previous horror.
2: I think one of the things that that might hurt Saw is that there isn't a Jason or a Freddy or a Michael Myers. I was watching uh, the Halloween episode of The Office, and I was watching it with my dad. And Dwight, one of the characters, dresses up as Billy the Puppet from Jigsaw. And my dad's like, who's he supposed to be? But you show him Freddy or or Jason. He's never seen those movies, but he instantly knows who they are. And, you know, we talked about the branding issues way back with Saw 1. And I think that's one of the things you got to have that character that represents the films. And I don't know. Yeah, we have this puppet, but it, it's not like a puppet that's alive and murdering people. You have these pig masks, but, you know, that's coincidental because it just happened to be the year of the pig. There's nothing... I I guess there's no brand for Saw. Yeah, there are these movies, but there's nothing that symbolizes these movies. And, and, you know, just by looking at that symbol, that person in the mask that makes these identifiable.
1: Yeah, but my parents didn't know who Freddy Krueger was in the 80s. There's there's something to be said for time and becoming part of the pop culture reference. Now your father does know because Billy the Puppet was in the office. You know, Freddy Krueger has been in like so many things. He's been in parades for crying out loud. We
0: saw a little boy dressed as Freddy Krueger on Halloween.
1: <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> he's like eight years old. It's a matter of infiltrating the mass culture, but there's no doubt that for its target demographic, who is not your father, Jacob, of course, it is going, it is being massively successful. That said, you just can't keep this up going one a year. I mean, they're on a schedule that is for movies just grueling. And I do think the quality is diminishing. And at what point do they go too far and devolve to self-parody like every other horror franchise has?
2: Do you think, though, they're diminishing quicker or more than Halloween or Friday the 13th or any of those movies did? Oh, they're doing much better than any of those. That's what I'm saying. From listening to those podcasts, it, it sounds like these... Yeah, they're diminishing, but it's still stayed at a higher level.
1: And it's a lesson learned. You look back at those other franchises, see where they went wrong, and they're keeping the same creative teams on these and whatnot. So I think that has a lot to do with it. (laughs) It's also hard to measure because if I measure six Saw movies versus six Halloween movies, well, yes, Halloween went down faster. But if I measure six years of Saw versus six years of Halloween, then that's something else, too. It's so hard to judge because... As with Friday the 13th and some of the Halloweens, you know, you get that very 80s style with it and it becomes so funny that that was ever modern. All of the Saw films are too recent to have any nostalgia associated with them that, again, th- would make them safer.
0: Do you think that these are going to get to the point like the Nightmare on Elm Street's where Freddy was basically establishing a relationship with the audience with him breaking <laughs> the third wall and, you know, doing things with tongue- firmly in cheek well they'd have to keep a
1: killer around long enough to establish a relationship (laughs) with the audience
0: they keep killing the killers there gets to be a point where friday 13th was merely an amusing thing and no longer scaring the crap out of you and
1: i think we hit that with part six once we were like
0: yeah kill that insurance asshole
1: i think they're starting to get there if in part seven jigsaw's torturing the bully who beat you up in high school you know that's what's going on
0: Oh, that's probably the plot of Saw Seven.
2: Jigsaw the teenage years. I'm telling you, we've got so I mean, we've had so many good ideas for Saw movies. Just doing this podcast, I think we need to, uh, you know, write something up and see if we could get a contract going. Do parts nine, you know, the the fourth trilogy.
0: <laughs> I think you're onto something. Maybe we can make fan films.
2: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to go there.
0: What if there's Saw fanfic?
2: I'm oh scared. I don't I don't even want to ponder that question it it no
1: Alright guys, well, thank you for joining us for the Saw series, and to our listeners, we will be back next week with a review of the new film Avatar by James Cameron. We're not doing a series on that one, well, because it's a series of one movie. And then we're going to take some time off for the holidays, but we will be Back to the Future in January as we review the Back to the Future trilogy, and then we have even more planned for 2010, including the much-anticipated and demanded-by-you Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective. And while we're taking our break during the holidays you can go and listen to our other retrospective series at nowplayingpodcast.com we've done Friday the 13th and Halloween as Jacob has mentioned as well as Terminator Star Trek House of a Thousand Corpses as well as many other individual movie reviews so thank you again Marjorie and Jacob
0: thank you you we'll be
1: back next week with
0: Thank
2: you for joining us for this episode of the Now Playing Saw Movie Retrospective. Congratulations, you are still alive. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review for us on iTunes or post about us on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media avenue of choice. You can find more Now Playing Retrospective series at our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Series include Halloween, Friday the 13th, Star Trek, Terminator, and others. This is the most fun I've had without lubricant. Now playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2009, and is not affiliated with Lionsgate Pictures or Twisted Pictures. Saw and all that the Saw universe contains are copyright and trademark Twisted Pictures, and no infringement is intended. Maybe this is the same zoo that the uh, penguin hit out in and Batman returns because Gotham had an was. abandoned zoo. Maybe yeah. this is what Gotham would be like without a Batman. That's what this movie's all about.
1: Jacob, get DC on the line. Jigsaw <laughs> versus Batman. Who has oh, the better oh. toys? I bet Batman uh, doesn't use tempered steel
2: <laughs> or rusty bear traps.